You do a good, right. pretty good Italian immigrant. When I come into this country, I tell you do it and they make the shoes. I make the shoes with my bare hands, and then they may stretch the leather with my fingers until they hurt. And my grandmother, she make the spaghetti and the meatballs. And then I met my, my met my wife. She said, a very hairy pussy, a pussy very hairy pussy. You want to see my wife with a pussy? She said, the hair coming out of the side of the panties. It was just hair everywhere. I said, Jesus Christ, you got to shave your hair. It's like a crazy uh, bush bush. Eh? Every time I go, I, what do you say? They order sex, I choke on the hair. <laughs> you are now listening to Decoding 40. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's that time for you to put your earphones in because you know this is not safe for work. This is the Decoding 40 podcast. I am your host this week, Vincent Perez, and I'm joined here with my two esteemed colleagues. Uh, this is your boy L.O. I don't have an AKA, but I just wanted to let you know if you donate one kidney, you're a hero. If you donate 10, you're under investigation. <laughs> For a second there, I thought uh, L was doing another Mitch the Glitch impression. Mr. McConnell, are you running again? <laughs> this is Alaric. All right, that's what's up. I got the crew in place here. We're going to do a little housekeeping first. Make sure that you head over to Decoding40Pod.com and purchase all your new wares. We got some new stuff in the works. We got T-shirts, hoodies, mugs. If you want to have a drink of coffee while you wear your hoodie whilst listening to the podcast. You got the Christmas holidays coming up. Make sure you get something for your loved one or, you know, something for yourself, you know, so you can uh, sit there and watch these football games. The Giants got crushed yesterday, so you may not want to watch them. Somebody in life right now is about to turn 40. Gift them the Decoding 40 T-shirt, sweatshirt, hat. Oh, by the way, I wanted to give a shout out to Richard P., who gave us a donation. Shout out, Rich. Shout out, Richard so, P. If you're listening to the show, Richard, we appreciate you. And other folks, if you would like to donate as Richard has, please do so at Cash App, dollar sign, decoding 40. So is it enough in there to buy us a bottle? Yeah, there actually is. Really? I'm not going to buy a kind of bottle. Bottle of old English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever gets yeah. us through the day. Yeah, exactly. Let's get to the show. And as always, we start this with our check-in. I wanted to greet you guys with uh, these uh, words that I came across the other day, and I thought they were pretty fascinating. Um, it's a poem. Freak hoes, freak hoes. Bounce that ass, make your knees touch your elbows. Freak hoes, freak hoes. Bounce that ass, make your knees touch your elbows. Free dope, free coke. Lay it down. Niggas kicking in your front door. Free dope. Free Coke, lay it down, niggas kicking in your front door. Groovy, man. Groovy. Where's that from, bro? Uh, free Coke. And just a question. Um, do your knees have to come up to your elbows or <laughs> should oh, you yeah, bend? I would think that that'd be the easiest way to go. But, you know, this is in line with um, 
the Beanie Man song that uh, I had mentioned a couple weeks ago. <laughs> what have we been listening to? Oh my God! What, but is that a popular song the, the, that you just quoted? Is that like is that ripped yes. apart? This is from like back in the days, man. This is uh, what year did this song come out? Well, apparently, all ratchet music is all the rave, and you got your. I mean, but this is and all this. Yeah, but it 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 obviously has its Three roots and what Three we days. were doing. So uh, we uh, we weren't listening to those lyrics. If you were down south, you were, uh, but we weren't listening to the lyrics. Is that what, was that your point? But we yeah, we were singing them, but we we had no idea what we were saying. I feel like an entire uh, audit of all the music that we had listened to for the last 20 years has to be done. Somebody I think that should to be a topic. It. We should actually tackle that in a, in a future show. Cause there's a and biggie line that, that sticks out in my mind. Is it the, the daddy, the dad, uh, you look so good. Yeah. That's he took that from I, Richard Pryor though. So I don't know if he was quoting Richard Pryor or he said it. Yeah. He said it. He said it. Okay. I've never said that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anyone that made me want to say that ever, mm. but I think we should we should do that for a future show. That would be fun. All right, like when I say I have a light check in this week, I really do. All I have really been doing is putting together proposals and um, trying to uh, get this money rocking. But I, I do have one great announcement. Nakemi Hayes, who is a friend, dear friend of the show, is running again for Board of Education up in her town of Meriden. And that's exciting. I think she just got an endorsement from the AFL-CIO and the Machinist Union, which is huge. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm incredibly excited to be working on her campaign again. Last time she uh, fell short, but just a few votes and... I, we contribute that contribute her loss to her having COVID for the last two weeks of the election oh, election season or the campaign season. Um, but I think we have decided that we're going to keep her in a bubble and make sure that nobody who looks sick and especially people who really don't look sick have any access to her for the remainder of the uh, campaign season. So, and I wanted to. So fist something. bumps only from now till not even day. fist bumps, air bumps. Okay. Like air bumps. I can uh, from if, if five, you six a, feet away. If you need anybody for some disinformation stories about her opponent, uh, just pure <laughs> lies and rhetoric. He's, I'm he's good at that. He's pretty good, I'm good at that. At I'm pretty good. I'm convincing. You know, I'll even I can even cry on, on the fly. Like, Let's talk after the show. He touched me, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> It was that quick check. All I wanted was a sandwich. <laughs> all I wanted was a sandwich. That's all I wanted. Oh, man. How can we help? I should have wrote it down. As far as help, uh, she is doing a $5 campaign. So if you want to uh, contribute $5 to our campaign on the road to 5000 that's just 1,000 people of giving $5 a piece. Uh, I will put the link in our show notes. And if you go to Vote Nikimi you, on, on Instagram, you can also uh, support her there and click on the link in our bio. I feel like I've been doing this for a while. That just kind of ran off uh, the lips and the tongue. And it was like, wow, pause. But yeah, it was just really um, comfortable to say that. But other than that, I really don't have much of a check-in uh, this week. I have not watched football. I watched about five seconds of it and realize I just, the game has lost me. 
And ever since the whole thing with Kaepernick, I, I just, it's a bizarre feeling because I'm someone who watched football religiously. Yeah. Every Sunday, every Monday. Could never get into Thursday, but come playoff time, Saturday, Sunday, my sons were both born during playoff season, I believe. And they both were born on a Sunday. So football was my thing because I was able to witness them being born and then go and watch the game. So it's a tragedy as far as um, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a tale as old as time and heartbreak and all that. But I wish you all well who have watched uh, the season and uh, keeping up with fantasy football. But other than that, I have been uh, pretty uh, buried under work this week. So not much of a check-in, but God bless you. Good night. This is Leon. That's my check-in. And I am done speaking. You are now listening to Decoding 40. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This has been from Decoding 40, letting you know about Decoding40pod.com. That's right, Decoding40pod.com. That's our new site that's got all our merch on it. Decoding40pod.com. Decoding40pod.com. Rick, what say you, sir? Uh, I was just going to comment on uh, what I was saying about football. Yeah, it has not been the same since the whole Kaepernick. I, once you give it up, it's sort of like, when you, once you give it up for a purpose, going back to it without a real solid resolution, you, you, you're still not into it the same way. And, mm-hmm. I, and I feel that. But what I... And I got to be honest. Like, I got to be honest, though. When we first started even entertaining the idea of letting NFL go, yeah, I was still watching. I was not telling anybody that I was watching. <laughs> Dude, I ain't kneeling. You closet watcher. I was totally watching. Uh, L was watching it while I was supposed to be boycotting. L was watching it while kneeling. <laughs> in, in my apartment. Um, but yeah, but then I, at some point I just uh, just decided like, no, enough is enough. I can't, I can't like, continue. My, my wife and I are, that was like our weekly routine. Like we would watch Sunday football, but we stopped and never really got into it again. But I also think that the kids have ruined Sunday football because they hate anything that's not a cartoon. So (laughs) if it's, if there are adults involved in whatever you're watching, it's boring. So they don't want to watch that. So they, they ruin it for us. But what I have discovered recently is NFL red zone, which is, kind of entertaining because they only cut to the game once yes. teams are in the red zone or about to score or I think they replay scores. Yes. So it's like you're watching the whole league at the same time. And the most important parts. And the most important parts. Although, I don't know. They're, they're, it's it's not the same as sitting down watching the game, but it, I feel no, like no. It's, it's slowly getting it's me the, back into being It's the cliff notes of football. Yes, yes. And I'm enjoying that. But um, on to my chicken. Uh, I have very, very exciting news for myself and all of the Barnwood Builder fans out there. We've been renewed for another season. And I am so relieved <laughs> because I was going to have to really get back on the grind because it, it's it's funny. Like, once you're on oh, like I a regular... Else. What? What? <laughs> 
thought that you're going to be like, well, I, I really enjoy traveling and getting away and having, you know, that that time and then coming no, back no, and no. loving my family. Well, no, I mean, I, I love being able to spend time, but I need to work. And yeah. it, the, the funny thing is, like, when you're in this bubble of working on this show regularly, you don't meet other people who are working mm. on other things. So when they are about to do something, they're not thinking about you because you're busy right. doing that thing. And then the entire world just moves on without you. So all of a sudden, when we were like, we weren't sure if this if the show was going to get renewed, it's like, oh, I got to get back on this hustle. I got to get back on this grind and start, you know, hanging out with people and talking to people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And people who are somehow disconnected from. But it is a lesson because I can't get so sucked into this bubble that I'm not reaching out to do other things. And it's it was a good reminder. But I'm happy to say that uh, it has been renewed. What else? Uh, I was just out in uh, East Hampton today. Um, I was uh, photographing one of my photographic heroes, one of my art heroes, um, Mrs. Renee Cox. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with her work, but back in the Giuliani era, her depiction of The Last Supper was one of the reasons that Giuliani wanted to shut down the Brooklyn Museum. Because, first of all, they were all Black people at the table for The Last Supper. And she stood at the head of the table as the Christ figure naked at the center of the table. And um, it was a huge controversy because that show was just like, all kinds of religious so everybody was 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 sort of taking doing a different take on religious icon i icon iconography icon iconography a little bourbon um, <laughs> is, is alia i cannot i can't whatever the word is what I can, I can, uh, um. So the entire show at the Brooklyn Museum was taking on um, religious iconography and sort of the thumb, I don't know if it's a thumb your nose at it or questioning or, but, you know, Andrea Serrano had the, the, the piss Christ and that was a big thing. And Giuliani, I guess as a Catholic, just couldn't bear to, to see, uh, black and brown artist making a splash. So he wanted to actually shut it down. There was a whole campaign about taking away funds from um, the National Endowment for the Arts. But anyway, this was the second time that I worked with her. And, you know, she's such a phenomenal person, such a phenomenal artist. And this was not a retro full retrospective of her work, but like just a small snippet of the amount of work that she's done over the years. And um, she's one of my art and photography heroes. Because it's like when you're coming up, you're looking at magazines. Because she did a lot of uh, magazine work uh, back in the day. And she also did artwork. But you're looking at magazines and you look in the, in the credits to see, you know, who did this. This was one of the people that I was seeing doing the work that I wanted to do when I was coming up. So being able to work with her today was a real pleasure. And it was supposed to be like a short shoot. like. We were supposed to spend like maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours together. We ended up hanging out for like five hours because we said, oh, it wouldn't be cool to do a time lapse. Uh, and I was doing a time lapse with her with her 
iPhone. And then I was like, oh, I could just do it with my camera. And then, you know, then we started playing with with all of this time lapse stuff. And then all of a sudden, the guy who led us into the museum was like, okay, good night. I'm like, good night. What are you talking about? Oh, shit. It's five o'clock and they're closing. So mm-hmm. we got to leave now. But um, and, and, shout out. To and by you, the way, Renee. Uh, Renee Cox is 62 years old. Yes, she is. And looks 21, at least from the pictures yeah. that I'm looking at. She looks amazing. Yeah. For her, she she absolutely is taking great care of herself. And it's also Jamaican jeans. She is Jamaican. I was gonna say, yeah, absolutely. Colgate Jamaican. So this is the first day that I dropped my son off at school on my own. Like the first day of school, both my wife and I took him to school. Second day of school, I was out of town. So my mother-in-law took him with my wife to school. So today was the first day that I'm doing the full drop-off on my own. And there had been tears and both of the, the days that he's been dropped off so far, big tears, big crying. You know, his new environment, he's a little scared. He didn't want to go in, but I took him today and there were no tears, but his eyes got so watery and glassy. He looked like a cartoon cat. Like, like, <laughs> I don't know if like you're in boots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Puss in Boots is trying to, he's trying to manipulate the situation. His eyes look like that. Like, you're trying to get me. I'm, not, I'm just walking away. <laughs> you, you know, like, how could you leave you, me here, Father? He gave me those like, eyes. Do this to me. Looking like an eighty, looking like an eighties commercial where you're trying to get money just for for fifty cents on a dollar. Yeah. You take care of this crying child. <laughs> Cue the yeah. flies. No, I, I was very proud of him because he. I don't know. It maybe he choked back the tears. He was like, "I'm going to do this," but um, you know, I left before any tears actually rolled down. But I, I don't think he cried. I, I, it was a uh, being very brave. I tried to explain to him, you can't be brave unless you're scared. And you got to. Did you say those step. words? Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm telling that being scared is okay. Yes. Huh? No, I just listened to something recently that said the exact same thing. So yeah. even as we remind children, we should remind ourselves and other adults that being scared is okay. I'm sure I saw that in the movie. I'm pretty sure I saw. I mean, it's, it's, I'm it's tell a him. kind of reoccurring theme. But no, I, as a dad, yeah. you take these themes and you. Make them your own, and then when he gets older, he'll think, My dad told me this. Yeah, remix. Dad that, told you that. That's from fucking uh, Die Hard. <laughs> That's not from Die Hard. My, <laughs> my dad, dad told me that. Well, they'll never see Die Hard one. So, no, well, I, I think I got it from Die Hard three. So it, it's okay. <laughs> you are now listening to Decoding 40. What's good, people? This is your boy, L. O. The man with more AKAs than the Black Campus. If you like this show, then make sure you subscribe to Decoding 40 on IG, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Decoding 40. All right, that's what's up as I yawned in the background. No, I'm no, sorry, I mean, my check-in wasn't exciting oh, yeah, enough. boring. Oh, wow. Shit. He's bored. Not no, that wasn't it. I, I just I, I like all of you guys. You you guys are tongue twisting. Oh, we're all boring. Okay, mm, thank you. You didn't you, let me. Finish. Well, sir, you like go on with your you chat. Guys, Let's see how exciting. Hold it on, is. I was going to say, like all you guys with the tongue twisting, 
and has been sipping. I've been sipping as well. That's why I got the yawn. It's not because you guys are boring. Clean that up. But I've explained myself, and I have only but a sip of wine left. So I hope your nice. check-in's exciting. Yeah. Let's see how exciting this is. Start the excitement meter. All right. So I don't. I really don't have much going on. <laughs> This motherfucker couldn't wait. He was waiting like a fucking, like a, like a tempt, tempting. Yo. You finished? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Okay. No, are you finished? <laughs> are you finished, sir? <laughs> I will not, sir. Um, <laughs> like I, like I said uh, before, I was uh, rudely yawned on. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a long check in. Basically, uh, yesterday, though, I did have a really, really, really good day driving Uber. Um, I made a, I made, I would say I made a lot of money for Uber because you don't make that much money in in a shift driving Uber normally. But with the rain came higher fares, and I wound up doing four airport rides. Two of them were fifty minutes away. One was fifty minutes dropping a guy off, and then I picked another one going back to the airport that was 50 minutes. Oh, dope. And um, the first guy I drove 50 miles down. I knew I wasn't going to get a tip immediately. Just by the way, he looked at me when I put his bag in the trunk. He just looked at me. He's like, and, you know, he just wasn't going to give me a tip. He further confirmed it. Did he whisper that? No, I, I knew. I knew. I'm a tip whisperer. I know when people are going to tip and mm. not tip. Just by their action, their energy. He looked at me like, why are you driving me? So, I drive the guy back down to where he lived in South Jersey. And when we get out, we get to his house and I, you know, jump out the car because I, I rather open up my trunk, take the bag out and then close my trunk because people will close your trunk. Like, you know, they're closing a casket or something like that. They slam it. It's just ridiculous. (laughs) Like they do not want the spirit to ever get out of here. I'm saying it's like they 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 close the trunk like they they used to transporting bodies across states. Wait, to be fair though, you have an Altima, which there the trunk of an Altima is a bit deceptive because it when you hold it, it a lot of noise. It feels heavy, but then yeah. it comes down quickly and it's actually lighter yes. than you think it is. Yeah, and and a lot of people will be like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah. So I get out the car, and to further confirm that I'm not going to get a tip, the dude gave me the tip kiss of death. He he said cheers <laughs> anytime you hear the word cheers nigga you are not getting a tip at all cheers is universal in 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 europe for fuck you you're not getting a tip <laughs> when he hit me with the cheers i was like well they don't tip in europe so yeah you're right no cheers mate uh, yeah i used to get that you shit all the time Listen, when I used to work uh, at the Marriott Hotel a long, long time ago, I was doing a uh, doorman at the time and, and a bell person. Made, used to make very good money there. But when these European, well, the European, when they did these tours, because they knew that tipping was custom in America, they would get the, they would take the tip out pre-visit. So like the tip was included in the package. So like we would mm-hmm. get, at when they left, we would get hit off with right. whatever their tip package was, right? But if you were just a regular, like, you know, they're there with their family, two or three. And Europeans, when they come to America, a lot of times they, they're not packed as heavy. But sometimes they are, especially if they're there for a minute. They don't tip. And when you hear cheers, you knew you was going to get no tip. Well, so well, let me explain with the cheers. L- let me explain to you. In Europe, right, 
service people, you just telling them what a great job that they've done is is enough. Mm. You don't have to give them money. That's that's enough. Like they they no, you know they accept also that. They and, get a like, oh, and they get a little bit of a great wave. job. Yeah. I get I did a great job and it boosts them up and that ke- that's better than money. Mm. Are you serious right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be serious. No. So this nigga hit me with the cheers <laughs> and shook my hand. <laughs> and, and shook your like, hand. And shook my hand. I oh, said, This man. is not this is not ending well. And I and the it was a it was a 50 minute ride. I got a little money for it. So then I did a couple more rides down there and I wanted getting another ride back to the airport. And I picked up this guy who was the head treasurer of L'Oreal makeup. Hmm. Dude was uh, half French, half American. And uh, had a great conversation with him and talked about his family and how long he's been working for L'Oreal and all the products they own and how he met Will Smith when they when they acquired uh, Carol's daughter. And really nice guy. He wound up giving me a, very, a really good tip. So, you know, there you have it. Not all European people don't tip. It's the European, the un-Americanized Europeans and mm. certain cultures just don't tip, man. I hate to say it, and usually our own people, our own well, people. Well, no, it's it it's it's it doesn't exist any. It doesn't exist in many places outside of the U.S. because we pay service people so poorly that we have to make it up. So, what's the American excuses that don't that don't tip? They don't have money. That, I I don't know what their problems are. I mean, honestly, like if if uh, restaurant workers, if they're on the books. I think they make two something an hour, like two dollars and and some change that per used hour. To be like that, I think that might have changed. But um, but I, I get your point. I get your point. I know they. But they make definitely they make, definitely make under minimum wage, right? And the tips are supposed to make up make up the difference. Mm-hmm. It's but, a fucked up system. Typically, but, people in hospitality tip the best. Exactly, and and that's why I always tip well because I've done the job, and and I was just gonna say. A lot of times when I pick up people from a restaurant or something like that, they usually give three, five, six dollar tips because one, they, they know. know how much they know Uber yeah. don't get paid. Uber gets paid shit and they, they know how it feels to do a job and, you know, and there's a tip, there's a tip option right. there and not get tipped. But yeah, so, but I had a, a really good, uh, really good Sunday, made some good money. And today I went to my first job interview uh, for this particular company in uh, Little Ferry, New Jersey. Uh, I don't want to give any of any of it away other than I had a good interview and it looks promising. And hopefully by the end of the week, I'll know one way or the other if I got the job. So everybody out there who listens to the show on Friday, send a prayer to me. And hopefully by the time I wake up after the show's been on and you listen to it, <laughs> I'll have the job. You're assuming the show is going to be posted on Friday, but God bless you, sir. We are <laughs> yes. definitely pulling for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever it gets posted. Best <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that uh, that comes through. It's, it, it seems promising, and um, I have another phone interview coming up in another week or two. So things are starting to open up a little better. Uh, you know, yesterday was just a conference. Money wise, was just it was a great fucking day. You know what I mean? I can't say that enough. And I think that's just kind of jump started the week. Uh, if Mercury was in retrograde, hopefully it's not in retrograde no more, and I'm not dealing with any bullshit. Mercury's back to its normal orbit or whatever it's going to. You know so. Leave me the fuck alone. But um, just looking forward to Friday and hopefully getting this job and uh, seeing, you know, going from there. And uh, that's basically my check in. Also, real quick, shout out to Onyx, the girl, our puppy. Uh, she wasn't she's feeling OK, but, you know, we noticed some things uh, with her. So we got to take her to the vet. 
tomorrow and hopefully it's for her normal yearly checkup but hopefully whatever it is it's a minor or like infection like that then we can get some medicine for her and she'll feel better so pray for onyx the pup does she listen to the show onyx listens to the show when we play it in the kitchen and she sits there and she looks at the speaker and she looks at me and she goes that's you and i say yes onyx it is me Okay. I mean, I just wanted to make sure that the the shout out was going to get to her. That's arr, arr, arr. this is a, this is a shout out. Arr, 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 arr. And she understands that. That ladies and gentlemen is my check-in. Decoding 40. Today is Monday, 9/11, September 11th. And uh, you know, I I said it earlier, you know, and the guys are holding a gun to my head right now, but it, it's 9-11, and uh, I don't know. Who cares? And I don't mean it like like who cares about what happened on 9-11, more along the lines of does anybody care anymore? And not that I don't care what happened on 9-11. Of course, it was a horrible time. I remember it like it was yesterday. At the time, I was working for AT&T Wireless. I was right across the river. We were helping in the rescue operation. So at the time, it was crazy. You know, we had a lot of uh, things that have changed because of that. But we're at the point right now where it's, 22 years later and has it has it lost has it lost some luster are we getting to the point when remember how i guess at one point december 7th when the the pearl harbor attack was a big big thing and now it's like who cares like who even talks about anymore like are we reaching that point with 9-11 has anything really changed has it gotten worse what do you guys think oh we're definitely reaching that point like because pearl harbor is just a story to us it wasn't real it wasn't it's, it was a movie yeah. directed by Steve, mm. Steven Soderbergh. I don't even know if that was a director, but it was. It's not. A, it's not reality to us. And there are adults who were not alive when it right. happened. There are yeah. real live adults that were our children. Yeah, children. Well, my uh, yeah, youngest son no, had said, an assignment. Yeah. Adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But adults definitely. But my youngest son had an assignment today. He had to ask people who were alive during the event, what was their experience? And my wife and I, we lived in Atlanta at the time. And just going through it with him sort of was crazy because it allowed me to kind of relive what we had gone through. Because I'm sure being in New York was incredibly scary, but being someone who has family in New York and friends in New York and not being able to get in touch with them was just as scary. Because we couldn't get through to anyone until that evening. Because all it was was a busy signal from the moment, I think, the second plane struck to about 5, 6 p.m. So uh, it's crazy. And I was just thinking as he's his assignment was basically to interview us. For the record, my wife got all the facts wrong. Um, (laughs) It it just is what it is. But but I walked him through it and and I didn't even give him all the, the, you know, the blow by blow. But it was just remembering, if I'm not mistaken, we were arguing on our way to work that day. And I dropped her off. And then um, I remember distinctly remembering remembering Ryan in the morning in, in Atlanta and on V103. And they were joking about the plane going into the building because we thought it was like a small little mm-hmm. private airplane that had just flown into right. the uh, building. And, we, you know, think that's weird, but OK. But by the time I had dropped her off and by the time 
I had gotten to my office, the story sort of got to the point where planes were just flying into all types of buildings in every city, every major city. And I I distinctly remember there there was a rumor floating that uh, a plane had f- uh, flown into the Sears Tower in Chicago. Mm. So it was like, you know, this is crazy. But I remember my wife calling me. I was I I don't even know if I told anybody that I was leaving. Like, or I, I I definitely didn't ask permission to leave that day. I was like, I'm out. And um, so I went to go pick her up. We went back home, and uh, that whole afternoon and, and morning, just trying to get in touch with people. But yeah, that that's my recollection of it. And um, it it is not the best. And I remember flying back to New York after after the uh, attack and uh, coming across the bridge at the point where you're supposed to see the the World Trade Center and not seeing it right. was pretty uh, impactful. And I was like, wow. And I was on the phone with a friend how, of mine at the time. How, how long before you could fly? That was Thanksgiving. I was back home for Thanksgiving. But we were supposed to go to Las Vegas, which, side note, I still haven't been to Las Vegas. We were supposed to go to Las Vegas in October, but uh, apparently uh, plans were squashed. Which was crazy because that was probably the safest time to fly that October. Yeah. Nothing was getting through that October. N- nothing crazy was getting through. No, I, yeah, I remember waking up that morning and I had the TV on mute and I'm getting dressed. I had an appointment and I thought that they were talking about a film that came out over the weekend because it was showing, New York One was showing uh, footage of, it, I don't even. Th- I think they of it burning of the the towers burning. This, this is after the first plane, and as they're showing that, the second plane hits the building, and that's the freakout moment. Like, oh, that wasn't an accident. Mm. Someone did that on purpose, and obviously, I, didn't, I wasn't making it to that appointment. And um, <laughs> so I was in Crown Heights at the time, and we lived on Dean Street. And we went up to the roof at some point during the day. I think after Tower One came down, we had gone up to the roof and we watched as Tower Two came down. I did take pictures, but we was it was far away, and you can see the plume. You still have those pictures? Smoke. Yeah, you can see the plume mm-hmm. of smoke, but you can't really uh, unless I tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't recognize it because there's not there's not like a second building to say this is the marker. Right of of what's happening, but I can like tell you that's the plume of plume of smoke that came from Tower Two falling. Everybody was freaked the fuck out because there were like reports that there were other planes that were mm-hmm. uh, unreported. They that planes were lost. They didn't know where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're like everybody's on edge. Like oh, there's going to be another attack, and we're just waiting for the shooter drop. I remember and, within three hours. They had Bin Laden's picture up. I remember. I, they, 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 I remember them having this nigga's picture up within the first. I won't say three hours. Within the first eight. Within the first day. By the afternoon. By two o'clock. Well, in the, went, I swear to you God, went I watched three to twenty four hours. Hold on, hold on. No, no, I didn't go. You went from thirty hours. seconds to five I from, minutes. I went to, to about three to six hours because I wanted the first couple of hours. It was all about oh. the coverage. By the afternoon. They was talking about yeah. it's Bin Laden. They had this nigga's picture right. up. They knew who it was right. and everything else. And I and I found that amazing how quickly. Also, 
that they knew they so it's like how did they know so quickly unless they knew this guy was planning to do this shit that's why I like ah. but i i think i mean if if you if you believe the the reports from you know recent that they had received intelligence that he mm-hmm. he was plotting to do this and yeah, of course. that al-qaeda was trying to come up with something massive to affect the u.s they knew he was sidebar. The FBI knew he was doing it. They, they were paying. Was it Al Qaeda in '93? They was trying to learn how to fly the planes and was paying cash. And all they want to learn learn is how to fly the motherfuckers, not even land. And the motherfuckers right. knew FBI knew which this. they knew this. Shit. Which again, I don't know if that's folklore and just U.S. propaganda. But sidebar, I was reading some of my youngest just son's uh, <laughs> uh, youngest son's uh, homework assignment. And it defined what terrorism is it as an unlawful use of violence in an, in an attempt to gain power or authority over a group or a nation. So and I asked white him, folks are terrorizing. I asked him, well, thinking about this, can you tell me an example of lawful violence that is acceptable? And he really couldn't. And then I asked my oldest son. And he said, "Police brutality." Mm. Well, it's and, not. That's not lawful. But it's, it's accepted. It is. It is lawful it, well, because if they if they can frame it in a way that comports with the arrest. law, exactly. He was resisting. I had to. I it's, had to restrain him. I had to discipline him. I thought he had a weapon. Yeah. Like these are these are lawful yeah. ways to excuses. Beat to, a man to, down. Exactly. To kind of frame violence and and control over people but i i say that just to say that um i, re- I remember taking a, a course that talked about how the u.s framed the entire uh al-qaeda movement and it was it was so much propaganda built into that um because if we were invaded and we responded we would not be considered we would not consider ourselves as terrorists to me like like when we when i when i say that initially who cares we like we're reaching like we were saying earlier we're reaching that point where really nobody cares anymore because when it originally happened to where we are now as a society military and all of that what has changed like we we got it we got it wrong and knew we were getting it wrong we were being lied to blatantly by the government and mm-hmm. They went over there, started a war with a country that had nothing to do with it. 18 mm. of these niggas was from Saudi Arabia. They were the ones who did it. They knew mm. bin Laden's family was from Saudi Arabia. So how the fuck did Iraq even get into the picture? I mean, we know now it's all about oil and and and, and uranium cake and coffee cakes and all the other bullshit. You know what I'm saying is, yeah, yellow cake, chocolate cake, whatever fucking cake they found over there, mm. which is bullshit. So it's like now, like that's why, like when you think about it now in two and twenty twenty three, when we've known we've we've had twenty years to really kind of find out what the fuck is what, and you know they'll say that it never it wasn't like this, it was a conspiracy theory. But twenty years from now, when everybody who was involved is dead, they'll have some report about how these niggas knew and how they were getting paid off, and Bin Laden's family was taken out of the country the day after the shit happened, and all that shit will be confirmed, and we'll we'll finally get the truth. But what difference will it make then? Because by that by that time, it'll be something worse out there. That's I don't even think we have to wait that long. A lot of there's been a lot of books written about that era, pointing out all of the lies we were told. And I don't think it was for personal. I don't think that they did it to gain personal wealth. It was about power. It was power about, and favor. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was. Uh, I, but when people say money, it's not about money. It's not about 
uh, dollars, but it is about influencing how this world moves. And power means more to these people than money. You can but move. You don't, you don't think money is a factor because I, 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 yeah, I, I think I, it's, I think cool. it is connected in the sense that money is the metric. Power is in some ways hard to define. It's sort of amorphous, but you can, you can use it and you can, but money is, is how you stack up and say, all right, this is how, this is where I am in relation to other people. Money can, money can only get you so far. Because if the the well, people who are seated like at the head of at the at the head of power, right? So let's talk about like Davos, right? You can't mm -hmm. separate heads of state from these big multinational corporations, right? But they don't have all the power because they're they have the money, they have the influence. These media companies have the influence, not just the money. You know what I'm saying? So, so the power isn't just in having a bunch of money. But no, no, no. I don't, I don't think it's solely why, in the money. I just think money is another Elon metric Musk, by which you evaluate yeah. how powerful you are. And this is and, why and we also have, and then you also have to factor. Oh, no, but then you also have I think to that factor that's in what, how ruthless you are. That's what we. That's where we have it wrong. That's what. That's what we have. That's where we have it wrong because Dick Cheney at one point was never as rich as Bill Gates. But was more powerful because he because could what shift. He knew. He could mm. what? No, no, no. Listen, listen. But but he he not because. He well, hold. On, let me finish. Let me finish. Not because not because of the money he accumulated, but he could actually shift the planet. He could change the 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 direction of where this country was going. He put us in a. He helped put us in a war for twenty years. So wait. Uh, allow me to digress for a bit mm -hmm. would you suggest that clarence thomas or the billionaires that are funding him are more powerful i think clarence thomas is actually a puppet so right I, so i would I say can't say that clarence, a puppet has, I, mean, I would say I that Cheney is a puppet, puppet as well there's a i think there's a difference between someone who's creating who can create policy have you dick cheney had the the Dick Cheney had the the one percent doctrine right one one percent doctrine so he decided that if there was a one percent chance that Iraq had any involvement in what happened in nine eleven we're going to war right they changed the direction of the country there there was there's power there whereas a Bill Gates cannot do that he cannot turn the country in that no, way no no but what I mean is if the the people that Cheney is beholden to mm -hmm. are pulling his uh, strings. How, right. how is Cheney more powerful than the people who are actually pulling his strings? What I'm saying is that it's not the money that defines the power. But it is. It's not. It's not. It's not the I'm, money. If, think, if I'm the billionaire, the, the if I'm the billionaire the that's saying that Dick, you need <laughs> pause. You need to do this, and you need to implement this then I'm the one who is actually in power. I understand that Dick Cheney is the one who's pu actually pulling the lever, but me as the person who is funding him or is putting pressure on him, that I'm actually pushing him to pull the lever on any policy that he enacts. Listen, let me say something real quick. I, I think that that might work again. in Congress. I think that that might, that 
in in a situ in a scenario like that that is is maybe works in Congress because you're worried about your next election. But I don't think that that was the same. I don't think that was the same case. I don't. It, I don't know. For, I, I feel for, like I feel like that administration I, I, particularly was beholden to a lot of different interests, and they did what they were told to do. So yeah, Cheney is the face of it. But I feel like there are other players that are in the background that have actually forced his hand to actually do whatever it is that they wanted him to do. I think money and power are synonymous. I think they come together. And I think the more money you have, the more power you can acquire. I think that Cheney and all the people he was beholden to and all the businesses that he was in bed with were primarily military, Blackwater, these these uh, private contractors, these mercenaries that go in, that the government was paying them, I don't know how many millions of dollars to go in there on a clip. He was winning from that. All this, all the private investors that he was in bed with, all the fucking, uh, fucking backwater deals that he was doing, all the all the money that he had secretly invested in all these companies. This was all a fucking grift when you think about it. That's all it was. And the month, and the thing is, is that. People, some people will be be considered more powerful based on what they do to get that money. Like a motherfucker who murders and maims people to get their money will have more power than a Bill Gates, just because you know this motherfucker is not to be fucked with. He's willing to go to the to he has no rules and regulations. That in itself generates a certain level of power and respect. Because look at look at somebody like like Escobar. This dude had so much money. I mean, he wasn't as powerful as the government, but he damn sure exactly. was. Exactly. That's my point. But exactly. But because he, Escobar met his match as much money. And, and, and they, they talk about the billions and billions of dollars that he had. He could not fight the government. No, because Escobar's problem was, unlike Cheney, was was that he didn't know how to hide the bodies and he didn't know how to be. He didn't know how to play his position. And he was too aggressive. Cheney knows how to play his position. These, I'm pretty sure Cheney probably got more bodies on him on himself than than fucking Escobar ever did. They know how to do shit without. He took us to to war in Iraq. He got way more bodies. But here's the thing: he knows how to manipulate. His number is his number was up, and there was someone who didn't have more money than him, but had more power and influence to actually take him out. Didn't matter how much money you had. But the thing is, so money is not the deciding Esco- factor of, about how much power you have, because there's someone also, with less money but has more influence and power. But to, you also to have to look at out. the person. You also have to look at the person that we're discussing here and how their failure to kind of like hold it down and just chill cost them their lives. Because there was at one point, if if Escobar would have just stayed in the in the cut. They wasn't going to fuck with him, but he was kidnapping fucking uh, uh, daughters and, and sons of, of judges and all that other shit. Like he didn't know how to play the game. He was he was wilding the fuck out. Cheney does the same See, thing. If, it's just that you don't know he's doing it. He's not making it public. He's not kidnapping people like I mean, well, you know, yeah, they are kidnapping people. And and but the, here's the thing is like power. If you have all if you have the power, no one can do about anything about what you're doing. But when his number was up, the government. When he served the government's purposes, he was all good. Just like just like Saddam Hussein, just like Gaddafi. When you were serving their purposes, you're all good. But when your number right, is right, up, so it doesn't matter do you, how much you, money you have. Why do you put Dick Cheney in, the, in a different 
or hold him in a different distinction. He was when, he was just an ex, he was just an example. He was just an example. But but you don't see him a as a puppet. You is, I'm, I'm just saying you saw him I, as autonomous. That's that's the impression no, that I got. No, is no. he okay? What I, I saw him. I, I saw him. I, I saw him working in. I saw him working in concert. I think that they had mutual. With who they With had who? a mutual goal. Who whoever. Whoever whoever benefited the most out of what happened in Iraq, they had a mutual goal. And here's Which the thing: were probably people who had a financial interest. That's my point. Yeah, the Blackwater people was aligning himself with them, so he could yeah. not work autonomously. He was working in concert with whoever ha- held the purse strings. But I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that power. I'm saying money is not the deciding factor of power all right so let, let's let's beg to disagree on that one because we, we, we're running off uh, on a tangent right now because we were originally talking about 9-11 who cares and obviously we didn't care because we started talking about dick cheney and everybody else who are the who are the orchestrators i mean but it's all related it's all related yeah it is it is it is um as far as last words i, I still continue to uh, mourn and grieve and uh, give respect to everyone who lost their lives. It was funny because uh, I was chatting with PJ Ryan earlier today and he reminded me of a documentary, I think it was on CBS, and I'm not sure if it was in conjunction with Nat Geo, but what people endured in deciding to jump off of a hundred stories in order to escape fire is unimaginable and it's just... So I'm I'm always thinking about them and the the this the tough decision that they had to make between either burning or jumping. Mm. And that that to me kind of crystallizes the the human aspect of what 9/11 is is that people had to decide how they wanted to die. People who just were going to work to provide for their family were all of a sudden presented with how do I choose to end my life? So that's what I kind of take away from 9-11. And um, I, I continue, like I said, to grieve uh, for those families. And I, I wish them um, continued peace because um, I know it's difficult. Yeah, I, I when I say who cares, I, I don't want to take away from the, the people who were lost there because I, I do have uh, friends, uh, people I knew personally who, who perished in, in that situation. So they were innocent. When I say who cares, I, I'm talking about the government because honestly, they didn't give a fuck. I mean, like I was saying earlier, within within a week, they were talking about the air's good. Like they, they, the government never cared. They took money away. They, they, these people had to fight tooth and nail to get the help they needed to uh, pay their doctor bills from all the cancer they were getting. So the government stopped caring about the Americans who suffered during that during 9-11 I, I give them two weeks after that, they can give a shit. They, a lot of the people took advantage and and they created policy and passed rules and regulations because of this thing that has made our lives uh, a little more difficult to deal with in regards to freedoms. And we're, we're seeing more and more every day the fruition of those rules and regulations that were put in years ago that are still around, that are, that are not going anywhere. And, um, and that's all I got to say about that. Well, here's one thing we can count on from the government after a tragedy. Thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. and yes. policies that restrict your freedom. Yes. And it, and it was able like, to... Unless it, has, unless it has to do with guns. Yeah. It's a free-for-all with guns. Yeah. yeah. But you can get anything else, 
privacy, any of that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's up for grabs. But um, your guns are safe. Don't worry. He'll no, no doubt. No doubt. Merch drop! You are now listening to Decoding 40. What's up, y'all? We need y'all to support this podcast. Pick yourself up a t-shirt, a hoodie. They're soft. They're poly tri-blend. Luxurious. They're furry on the inside. They're really plush. You can sleep in them. Your wife can sleep in it. Your daughter can steal it. And she can sleep in it. Go over to Decoding40Pod.com and get yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie, whatever you like. Decoding40Pod.com So uh, let me ask you a question, fellas. How do you lose... $95 million for in 13 hours of conversation. Well, here's the answer. There's a story out of uh, Michigan. Uh, the coach of the Michigan State football team, Mel Tucker, is being accused of sexual misconduct. And because of that, they're trying to take that $95 million away from They've actually fired him. It's took it. It's took it away from Tucker. They took that, took it from the Tucker, and it took it away. So they apparently... He, they tucked it and they, they tucked it like a football and they took it away. So apparently Brenda Tracy, a rape survivor who was made who has made informing athletes about sexual misconduct, her life's work, is accusing the Michigan State football head of coach Mel Tucker of sexual misconduct. Uh, we read the story. We did a little research. What say you guys? There's a lot of holes in the story. You know, again, did M- did uh, Michigan State jump the gun? Was this all a ploy to get him out of there? Like, what, what, what say you guys? I mean, out the gate, he's an idiot. Yeah. I don't think sure. you could have picked a worse person to talk to about anything sexual. Yes. Right. When this you just got a $95 million dollar contract. Yes. You yes. dummy. Yep. And apparently, uh, what we didn't say in the beginning, because there are the fans of the show who listen to the show who don't know, but the Michigan State football coach is a black man and Brenda Tracy is a white woman and you know all the all the stereotypes and everything come out and it's like why would he risk 95 million dollars he's married he's I must he should not have been risking it for 13 hours of phone conversation and that's another thing like is she is this is this woman stretching the truth a little bit and because she has g- gone through the ordeal that she went through she's more likely to be to be believed in this situation so here's the thing and i'm really struggling with this story particularly in the sense that you want to give credence to the victim of course and you want to believe that what they've gone through is as accurate or as closely detailed as to what they've uh uh, provided in terms of facts. The problem is, I don't believe her. Yeah. Mm. Um, because I think one of the details that we haven't mentioned yet is that she had, or that he apparently masturbated while they were talking. I don't understand why she remained on the phone. I don't understand why, why two months later she texts him and says, Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Donkey Dick. <laughs> <laughs> the donkey dick was not in there i'm sorry Alleged. that was her that was that was Alleged. that was her that was her pet name for him uh by the way no it wasn't but i i don't understand why someone who is a uh an advocate for uh sexual assault prevention doesn't report this for two months right all right so this is my next question is 
Was he her boss? Was she working in a capacity? No, he was not her boss. She, she was wasn't a, and I put this in air quotes, a, a captain of the team in order to sort of help them navigate this. An honorary I, which can captain. be very honorable captain, yeah. which can be very honorary. tricky in terms of sexual relationships, particularly for athletes, right? And or just young men on college campuses who don't, fully understand or don't have um, or haven't given enough uh, attention to how they may have toxic sort of um, ideas about what intimacy is, particularly in a moment with a young woman or, or young man. I, I don't want a young person, another person. Mm-hmm. It's challenging for me to kind of go through it based on just based on the facts that I've read in the, in the articles that I've read for someone who is entrenched in this this life and this advocacy to not be able to navigate it in a way where it makes sense for the rest of us. Right. I would expect, even if this was her job when it happened, for her to reject the advances immediately because she's the one that she's the she's sort of the expert in this field of prevention of sexual misconduct and uh, sexual assault, maybe. But they weren't even in the same room. They were on the phone. Right. So they're on the phone. It's not clear if they were on later. Right. It's not clear if they were on FaceTime or just on the phone. But to your point, how does someone who makes their bread and butter on this advocacy not be able to immediately extinguish these type of advances? Right. Or report them. And report them, correct? Yeah, you know. Let's just say she just report them right away. That wouldn't we wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have been twenty seven phone calls. Well, let's just say that she's afraid that MSU is going to sweep it under the rug. But why wouldn't you shut down the person that you felt was being inappropriate immediately? But the other thing, and and, you know, if she was if she was a twenty year old coed. And this was happening. I can understand why the shutdown didn't happen. But you, this is your profession. This is what you do. This is what you coming out to speak about. But he, it wasn't physical. It wasn't a physical uh, confrontation. Not confrontation, but a physical situation. Interaction. Yeah. Interaction. Yes, that's a great word. This wasn't a physical interaction. So why wouldn't you just say no? That's that's not appropriate. And he's on notice, right? right? So he's not going to pursue it any further. Or and if he does, then now you have grounds to report him. Right. And we, but like this, what I was going to say is we haven't even talked about his his position is that he has sent her money, sent her gifts. That's the other. That that, that's the other curveball, right? He bought her some Reebok fifty four elevens. Sending sending cash app requests and accepting responding uh, to cash app requests. Dollar sign sugar right. tits. So it's not like he just sent the money. No, no, she no. Actually, she sent the request. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it, it would be one thing that he sent the money without her making the request. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she actually requested the money. He responded, sent the, the cash, sent her shoes, I think. Yeah. Right. 95 million. I mean, Nothing. you know, it's pennies in a dollar for I'm him. I'm just saying, I, this is not consistent with the behavior of somebody who's uncomfortable having conversations with someone. Right. Listen, you you lost me at 27 phone calls. <coughs> yeah. Excuse but was me. it 27 averaging phone calls averaging averaging 30 after... minutes a call? No, I mean 
This is a this no no. no. It, it doesn't if, matter if whether you it's work, after or if you have a working relationship. I can see you having that number of phone calls, but if it was twenty seven after this event, then that would be odd to me. That well, I, I think that's what they're trying to say. Is it? Are they trying to? Oh, say I thought it was the article before the event. Well, I don't. Or I don't know. twenty seven? Are they looking at twenty seven phone calls that are, are that have to do with any sort of sexual misconduct? Are those? Uh, did she have those calls? No, I got the impression that they were saying that they had had maybe in total or definitely prior to okay. him masturbating on the phone, there were twenty seven calls. Right, but he he's not the person that's hiring her. He's not the person that's bringing her in. So the the fact that they're having twenty seven conversations means that she's gonna, a willing participant at some point. So right. you gonna buy me them shoes, right? You gonna buy me them shoes? This is my cash app. Now you cash at me. You, you said you was gonna Venmo me. I don't know. I, I, I find it very strange. I think the college was like, uh, we regret giving you ninety five million dollar contract and we want it back. Uh, Tracy, give us some help. I don't know. I, That's I agree. This, this this is complete speculation, but. Miss Miss Tracy feels like a plan, and this feels like an orchestrated event to cancel Tucker's uh, contract. Mm. And we could, well, at least I could be completely wrong. And then you know, there's a hearing that's scheduled in uh, next couple of months. Hopefully, um, a lot more details will come out. But at this point, I am not I don't incredibly in favor of what uh i don't want to say in favor but i'm not incredibly convinced that the story that she's telling is accurate it, it can't be the whole truth right it well can't. well let me let me let me let me uh you know tie tie this in the bow and say this he had a lot of money he got he was given he was going to be given a lot of money and he dropped the ball he really dropped the ball and didn't pay yeah. attention didn't didn't think and uh, whether or not he had this uh, inappropriate affair with this woman, I think that he probably did. I think that it was consensual, and I think that you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put it past a university, especially if they're having regrets for, to sign this contract. If they want to get somebody else, they want to get him out, whatever the situation is. But uh, I think that they got the right person in this young woman to do this because she's credible in the sense that she's already gone through this thing when she was younger, where she was raped, so she has. Because that thing happened to her, she has more credibility to stand on and say, and this is her life work to say, well, he's harassing me. And people are going to believe her because that's where the credibility comes in. That's where the credibility is because she is the advocate. She is the expert in this field. So she could have testified in somebody else's situation and explain how a victim might might react. But, you know, know. it it made me think about um, Anthony Weiner. Another Carlos, Carlos Danger control, yeah, Carlos <laughs> Danger, aka Mr. Danger, impulse control. Like, why are why, why what was so attractive? Like, what made you want to risk everything that you had going on for this interaction? Like, what what compels you to do that? The um, big titties, fetish, <laughs> compulsion. Uh, the big titties. That's why he sees certain big titties. Like it's worth ninety five million. Anyway, well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are coming to the end of another Dakota Forty episode. You know, again, put himself at risk, and unfortunately, he might have to pay for it. I'm, I'm hoping that the, the case comes to light. We get a little more information, and 
somehow this guy can clear his name and and either get his job back or get some sort of money back. But let's let's hope for the young man. Well, not young man, the coach. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this uh, wrap this up? It's never worth it. It's never Especially worth when it. ninety five million is on the table. <laughs> yeah. Although I would love to meet the vagina that is worth $95 million. Hmm. Yeah. For no other reason, just to say. Shake hands? Yeah, shake hands. No, we're not even shake hands. Air fist bumps. Recording 40. All right, ladies and gentlemen, again, once again, this is the end of another episode of Dakota 40. Make sure that you listen to us every Friday. When the episode comes out, sometime between six and twelve, you know, it's out. Make sure you head over Just subscribe. To you will get the notification. Yeah, when, you when will it get drops. the notification the alert when it drops. There you go. There you go. Make sure you go to Dakota40pod.com and check out all our merch. We're on all platforms, Dakota 40. And if you just want to send us, you know, a dollar or two, five, ten, twenty, thirty, or maybe a hundred, you go to dollar sign Dakota 40 at Cash App. And uh, we accept all gifts to help us. Stay merry and drunk during the holidays. That's it. Another episode is done. (laughs) Wow. Peace. 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 Thank you for listening to Decoding 40. 